Hello, my name is Daniel Kelly and this is May Contain, the podcast breaking the stigma of what it's really like living with a severe food allergy. I have lived with a peanut allergy since I was five, so I'll be talking about the different situations I've come across over the last 20 years living with food allergy, whether that's dating, going out with your friends, living abroad, hopefully give you guys like a really good insight into what it's like living with a food allergy. On this week's podcast, I'm joined by Tanya and Nadim, who sadly lost their 15-year-old daughter, Natasha, who suffered a severe allergic reaction after eating a pret sandwich. And it's such an emotional story. And obviously, having the opportunity to speak to Tanya and Nadim, when we talk in great detail what happened after eating the pret sandwich and boarding the flight to Nice, having like an hour to kind of sit down with them and like really understand the story and the details of what happened is just it's it's just so sad and I just want everyone before everyone before jump to the podcast like it is a really emotional podcast I don't know where you'd be listening to the podcast but when I listened back to it 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 honestly absolutely broke me um just because it it puts it into perspective and I think Tanya and Adim are just like so inspiring as well of what they've gone on to achieve and they've put so I'm getting a bit emotional, but putting together like Natasha's Law now where it's not going to hopefully won't happen to, again, where if they're making food on site, it's got to show the 14 different allergens now in the packaging. And Natasha unfortunately died because it wasn't labelled clearly on the baguette sandwich that um, it contained sesame seed. So yeah, by sitting down with Tanya and Adim um, and sharing their so- story, hopefully it'll like, raise awareness and people will take allergies seriously so yeah i'm going to start the podcast now hi and thank you both for coming on to the podcast today to talk about natasha's story um before we talk about obviously what happened like the tragedy that happened on on the flight from like nice um could we talk a little like talk a bit bit about like natasha as a child like what was she like like did did she always make your friends aware about uh, allergies when she was like growing up yeah, well, she had allergies from a really young age. Mm. Um, she was six months when she had her first reaction. So she grew up with allergies and that was just a part of her life. And um, she got very used to that quickly. Um, but it became apparent to her that she didn't really know anybody else with allergies. So she kind of felt like she was yeah. the only person. In school, yeah. Yeah, she, she knew other people had them, but she didn't really know anyone who had them. So mm. I think she found that... Um, she felt a bit isolated with her allergies, yeah. didn't she? And we didn't know any other families who had children that had allergies either. Uh, in fact, not even in her school. I wasn't aware of any other no. children no. as well at the time. Yeah, so yeah. so I think that made her, that set her apart slightly. Um, but it kind of made her fight for things harder in a way. I don't, I yeah. don't know, because she was quite feisty. On, yeah, she, yeah. she would always push herself to do things that maybe she wasn't confident in yeah. doing mm. like certain sports and things yeah. like that she wasn't she wasn't really afraid mm. was she yeah but she was super careful from a very very young child yeah. so um, she always made her friends aware and oh, always yeah. very confident in terms of like speaking up about yes yeah. it, really, it really wasn't one of the issues that were sort of swept under the table yeah. due to embarrassment for example it was really quite up front uh, otherwise i mean as parents you see the risks we were really and, and the idea that and she knew the risks and she knew well. the risks yeah. absolutely she did didn't she mm-hmm. yes yeah so how many allergies did she have did she find out like a very young age well she had a reaction to banana when she was six months old and then we asked the doctor do you th- 
you know, we were worried about giving her formula, which is cow's milk. Um, what do you think? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry, she should be fine. It would be very unusual for her to be allergic to bananas and milk. Mm-hmm. So we gave her the formula when she was about nine months old and she had an anaphylactic yeah. reaction. Um, and then we found out that she was, when we had a blood test, when she was a bit older, we also found out she was allergic to egg, mm-hmm. although we hadn't given her any egg mm-hmm. to that point and tree nuts Hmm. um but because they hadn't tested for seeds and she was allergic to tree nuts we just didn't give her any seeds either yeah she just avoided that and also we didn't give her for instance she she didn't have shellfish now she'd never been tested for it sorry she'd never been tested for shellfish um but we just weren't we know it's an allergen that's quite a dangerous one so we just Mm. didn't give her any Mm. so we were kind of playing it extra careful, yeah, I think, weren't we? I think we just had a, a large measure of um, safety margin. So if we kind of thought things, or we, you know, oh, we're not going to try that on her, or this, or this. And so invariably, uh, we as a family, actually, we sort of didn't eat many foods yeah. either. We kind of reduced down, our, I would say, our, our bandwidth, if you like, yeah. our options on what we ate ourselves, yeah. to avoid actually having, I remember, I mean, I remember the fridge at home, we wouldn't have butter in the fridge. In fact, there are lots of things we wouldn't put in the fridge just in case there was a kind of cross-contamination issue. Mm. So in regards to, in terms of what, what Natasha was really mm. passionate about, did she mm. have any like subjects or what she was yeah. really passionate about? Well, she, funnily enough, one thing, I think I would say she might have got it for me that she loved a bit more. She loved animals of all sorts. Hey, no, and me. No, no, okay, <laughs> love insects. I love insects. Mm. Uh, of all sorts and I'm she mammal lover. you're more mammal and <laughs> i'd always taught her shown her from a young age i mean really when she's like two three four years old you can pick insects up on your fingers uh you know even some things you might think would sting you yeah. in other words and they're fine you know and actually look at them and you can see how amazing they are you know little, little miniature yeah. creatures that do incredible things you know like she's spiders fascinated, yeah. fascinated yeah, you know the, the detail this miniature detail and then she would like also, she loved making um, that, that FIMO, a little kind of uh, things in FIMO putty. Uh, oh, I've never done that. She's really artistic. She's very good at art. Yeah. She used to sell them at school when yeah. she oh, really? was about 13 years old. She used to make little bracelet charms out of FIMO. That's amazing. Yeah. That, yeah. And she'd sell them for 50p. Yeah. <laughs> make a little right. profit. And make some yeah. money. Yeah, yes. yeah, she did. She yeah. did well. then. Yeah. 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 And so she, she had a, she was at, she had a, I'd say, a, a good eye. It kind of, quite artistic mm. if you like and color for color for for shape and form mm. generally and she was a she was a really fast runner 100 oh, yeah. meters but she had asthma so the <laughs> asthma really stopped her from kind yes. of like Compete, being as yeah. good as she could but yeah. she used to win quite a few sports days certainly yeah. at primary school and then sort of early in secondary as well and she'd suffer for a good yeah. week afterwards she'd have really oh, bad asthma but yeah. she'd be so happy if she yeah. won that she race won the race like yeah she, it would be worth she, it like, for opened her. the moon like yeah, yeah. So she was competitive Absolutely. wasn't she oh, yeah Um, And then for four years, she did horse riding at a charity in Kingston. Um, So um, sort of one Saturday, you'd be four hours of grooming, mucking out stables, doing all the hard work, getting calluses on your hands. And you come back home smelling of horse poo. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. 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 And the the following Saturday, she'd be riding in in the local park. So she just loved that, didn't she? That gave her a sense of freedom. Yeah, that sense of freedom. Like animals and like being around animals. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, mean, it was was absolutely, and dogs, you know, all Mm. sorts of things. And pigeons. Love pigeons. Most people hate pigeons. People are quite frightened of them, aren't they? They're frightened of them. They're things that fly. They kind of, I see, I see so many students like in Leeds the other night and uh, there's some 
pigeons in the in the train station, the main station. And and the girls <clears throat> go going out for the night. They must be out at 18, 19, 20. Yeah. Absolutely freaking out when the pigeon comes near them. Comes there, my friend. Natasha would be like the opposite of that. Yeah. Feeding them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she, when she stopped um, horse rangers, the actual horse riding, then she took up ice skating, yes. and she had a real yeah. talent for that. Yeah. She was a figure yeah. skater, and she was winning. I mean, she, she was getting amazing. all sorts yeah. of certificates and. Yeah getting badges and yeah. yeah she was she was getting she was yeah. at the point where she could actually start competing soon mm. so, so how old was she when she took up ice skating she took up ice skating when she was 13 so oh, okay. in two years yeah. she just became yeah really she went regularly yeah, right. quite natural yeah. on the ice yeah. in that sense yeah, that, yeah. She, she had a talent mm. for it yeah and that's yeah. something for instance i've never done or can do yeah. i've tried and i just instantly on my, on my bum yeah. seriously <laughs> and so i'm like wow that's amazing you yeah. know seeing her zoom yeah. around but like i did ice skating as a kid so you pass it on like, maybe yeah, yeah. Maybe. i like to yeah. think so yeah. yeah yeah that's amazing and then so obviously if, if we talk about in regards to what happened at the airport and he was getting a flight from london <coughs> to nice so yeah and i know obviously i've been in that situation when you're in airport and you you grab a quick snack yeah and yes. you went to prayer and you grabbed a sandwich and you both double checked mm. the package on the back mm-hmm. And it it didn't say anything about obviously like sesame. No, that's it. And then that's it. I mean, we. I mean, what happens? It was an early flight. Uh, the first flight out of the day to Nice, which is like a sort of a seven thirty a.m. or something flight, and um, and so you have to get to the airport. You know quite a bit ahead of that and so if you get up early you tend to have a grumbly tummy quite quick or at least our family yeah, does yeah, anyway yeah. and so at the airport when we're on the air side um natasha and bethany her best friend were hungry you know um and so there's a big pret a there and i i've known that pret a for years because i've traveled a lot for, for work and i've always gone there myself to yeah. pick up a coffee and a sandwich um Natasha had been to a Pret a Manger before. She liked uh, actually liked the crisps there, for example, which is a packet of crisps. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I said, "Oh, let's just go to Pret," and it was right there in front of us. And we just, you know, looked. I said, "Have a look at what sandwich you want, you know, and see first, you know, knowing that she knows what to look for, you know, etc." Uh, and always has done in her recent years. Uh, and um, so she found a sandwich which was an. Um, baguette with a, it was an olive with olives in it an olive tepanade they call it red peppers and artichokes so it's like a vegetarian okay. type thing I mean not that she was vegetarian yeah. but it's just that's what it was and had a black and white label stuck to the packaging that said just that basically so that matched up with what it said on the shelf yeah. edge uh, she said oh look daddy she grabbed it and said look I can eat this and she showed it to me uh, and I, re- I looked at it and read it and actually Bethany her best friend, who was 14 and a half or so, about 14 and a half yeah, at the time, yeah. she she looked at it as well because, you know, so all three of us looked yeah. at it, basically. And we thought, fine, perfect. And to the eye, you know, looking at the sandwich like this through the clear plastic packaging, there's nothing unusual about it. The bread looked fine. So just know, like a normal like, sandwich yeah, just off the shelf. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we bought that. Um, and Bethany had some other things to eat. But then Bethany doesn't have any food allergies. And so we, we ate it literally about uh, on the spot, basically, because we had to get on the flight very quickly afterwards. Um, and um, so they were hungry, and they literally, if I said they, the two teenagers, or young teenagers that they were, wolfed the food down really quick. Yeah. You know, like, 
really yeah, like, yeah, like and then just for the flight yeah yeah just the flight you know no hungry etc and then suddenly the food's gone it's like for me as an adult going wow that was quick <laughs> yeah no, where's it yeah. gone yeah and then and then soon after that Natasha had a bit of a, what we call an itchy throat which was like oh yes something's a bit yeah. a bit itchy which we've always known uh, when something like that has happened in the past um, as it has done it's usually that there's something in the food that's maybe just slightly allergenic like sometimes a bit of a cross contamination yeah, yeah, yeah which you can have sometimes I mean so she took some pyroton which is uh, what she always had with her as well as other medication like epipens um, and then we boarded the flight it's fine you know so I mean you could even think like it was just like the aircon I get that something when so you get totally. on a flight and you don't absolutely, even question yes. it at all you just think absolutely. oh it's just it's just the air like yeah the air or, or even the cross if you just if you're sensitive to foods as allergic yeah. people are or certainly the more allergic they are just cross contamination on the table yeah you know, on you hear you're on oh, a restaurant yeah, yeah. and you know they've cleaned it even with something that's like bleachy and a slight smell of it can come up and make you, if you're sitting over bit, it, yeah, bit, you know, at ease. And, yeah. and it's all, for people who are food hypersensitive, there can be any number of things. And it's not obvious to go, oh, it's that, straight away. Yeah. So we boarded the flight. The flight took off really quickly, straight away. First flight out of the day, if you like. And, and soon after, well, probably about 15, 20 minutes in, Natasha was saying, oh, I'm, you know, I, I was feeling my throat more and more itchy, which really meant to me that oh okay and she said I'm going to take more Pyroton so she did in front of me just literally swig it out the bottle um, and she's with her friend Bethany and we're all sitting in a line of three and they're both listening to music on the, on the uh, Apple phone yeah. sharing the speakers you know one well headphones one in each ear yeah. having I'd say what you'd call a good girly time because yeah, there's a there's a, a video shot before with her, herself and Bethany yes. and like it was just crazy to think shortly after that video. Shortly it, after that video that's, that is out there on the internet that anyone can see now, uh, about an hour and a bit later, she was dead. That's how quick uh, things happen. And that's so shocking to think that, that food allergy, the onset of food allergy to the point of death can be that quick. Um, and it is often that quick, actually. It's not unusual that we've, we've heard from other cases that how quickly people die, and it's usually young people, teenagers, yeah. and, um, and actually medical help. Well, the first line of defence is having your, your, your own EpiPens yeah. and everything with you always. And uh, you, so once the itchy throat side happened and she took a periton, yes. fr- from the hives, did it just escalate so fast in regards to the reaction from... Yeah. So, so gosh, it was, and I was sitting there with three of us in a line, Natasha next to me on my right and Bethany one seat on. And, um, and Natasha then got up to go to the loo. Nothing unusual about that um, in a way. And when she came back, probably about five, a bit more than maybe five minutes later, could be a bit more. She says, oh, Daddy, she sat down in the seat. She said, Daddy, I'm, I'm, I found a bit difficulty breathing. And then she showed me, she lifted up her, her sort of top like this and showed me her midriff, basically her bare skin around there. And it was covered in really big, well, uh, red patches, which were raised, which we'd call mm. hives or, or welts. Uh, a bit like if you looked at a giraffe and you saw the pattern on a giraffe. Imagine that's on your skin, but in red. It's like lumps. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'd never seen anything like that in my life. 
so far, and and I don't think she had either, and it was sh- quite visually shocking, actually. And I was like, right, okay. And then she said, Daddy, I think we need to give me the epi. She said it, Daddy, you need to give me the EpiPen. That's how she knew. She felt, yeah. She felt. So I quickly stopped the air stewardess. I said, I'm going to have to give my, my daughter an EpiPen uh, now, right now. And uh, we always had two with her, or she had two with her EpiPens. So we just got up, went straight to the, the toilet at the front of the aeroplane. And, and it's not actually, I have to say, until you two people try to get into one of those toilets, you realise just how it's like an impossible space to move in, actually. Yeah. Um, but because she's a girl, she's a girl, she's a teenager, yeah. she had still all those issues of embarrassment yeah. to be seen, to be, you know, and not having, we didn't want that done on the, if you like, in the chair. Yeah. You know, it's important, I think, I think for all teenagers to have that, that thing. So did you administer in the toilet? In the loo. Oh, right. Yeah. So she was sitting on the loo, if you like, with a lid down. Yeah. And, uh, I just we pulled down her, her like tracksuit, yeah. uh, trackies, if you like. And I got the first EpiPen. I said, all right, ready? Here we go. And this is all done in seconds, by the way. This is no, not waiting. And I, I, well, I injected her, which is like jabbed it in, uh, held it, counted for 10 seconds, allowed. So, and I did it deliberately allowed for myself and Natasha to have that sense of confidence yeah. about... Oh, it's been done you know, correctly, yeah. Because to stop the panic, if you like. Um, and then took it out. So I took it out, took it away, and I said, "Look, that's good. There's a blood spot on your on your thigh, which means the needle has it's gone, gone in." And administered, yeah. And I was to myself, thought, "Thank God for that." That's what I was thinking at that point. And and she was sort of bent over, having difficulty breathing, in a kind of panic, if you like, but not yeah. screaming or anything like that. And um, hunched forward, and she said, "I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Get the second pen. Get the second. So I just, oh my gosh, ran out the loo just. You know, and dashed back to the seat, and within one minute, I was back there, and gave her the, injected her for the second one, uh, and I was now on autopilot. I call it just, you know, in a zone. Yeah. I feel like um, I wasn't panicking. I was in a zone. I can only describe that as a parent or yeah. as, a, as a human being. Get it done, like like a military thing, you know. And again, I counted to ten, one thousand, two thousand, three thousand, like that's ten seconds. Took it away saw the blood spot, second blood spot, I knew that's gone in, great. And then I thought, honestly, I, I don't know what I thought, but I can say I thought, that's it, it should be all fine now, but not at all. This was the shocking part, I think. I say shocking, it was all shocking. That she, yeah, it's terrible what happened, actually. I think that's what really shocked me, is that people just presume if you've got an EpiPen that you're going to be safe or you're going to be fine, and the EpiPens just literally just... A lifeline, really, to mm. get the medical assistant. Yes. Um, and obviously, when the second epen, when you when you realised the second epen didn't have mm. didn't have it, any didn't have the impact. No, it was like it. It was, you know. It, now looking back on it, she had two injections, and assuming all the adrenaline had gone in, um, they were adult. Uh, EpiPens, so that was the higher dose, yeah. both of them. Um, uh, so that was, you think, correct. They weren't like child ones that we'd kept for a while and yeah. you know, we're using them on, on someone of, of more of an adult body weight. They were both uh, the right dose as far as was con- you know, believed at the time. But it made no effect whatsoever. You know, unbelievably, didn't seem to have any effect whatsoever. 
whether, for example, you know, I think back that when you're in an aeroplane, uh, and this is a unique situation, this we're stuck in the plane, yeah. no doc, no, no medical no proper help, like in a hospital or ambulance, if you like, or paramedics who have some kit. That yeah. looks, um, the air pressure is different in the plane. It's much lower. Uh, so it's, it, there's a big difference between it being in a plane and being on the ground. Yeah. Maybe things like that actually make the whole situation it's worse. worse yeah. Right. And I, I heard there was a junior doctor yeah. on the plane. Yes. I know that obviously once the plane landed, there's paramedics to come on. But in terms of the fibrillator, that wasn't given to the junior doctor. That's right. On the flight. This it's when I think back. And I remember it very well what happened uh, on that plane. And I will till I, you know, till I die. But um, the uh, yeah the the I called when when there was no she's in, we're in the toilet and there was no t- Natasha was starting to sort of black out effectively fall forward and I was having to hold her up and it was this is within seconds I'm talking about and I'm not talking about minutes it's so quick. Uh, they got her out of the loo, like kind of half holding her up under her arms, and with the air st- with uh, one of the air crew, put uh, just literally two feet away in what you call the jump seat, which is the seat that folds down by okay. the door where the air stewards often strap themselves yeah. in at takeoff. There's a bit more space there, <clears throat> and I said, "Quick, immediately!" I said, "Get the air canister now, the oxygen canister now," knowing I've seen them before. Yeah. And and he went to get it. We put he put, turned it full up put the mask on her face and she's slumping forward now losing consciousness already this is a matter of minutes after both epipens uh, are given <clears throat> and put the mask on made sure it was staying on because it would just drop off and I, ch- I grabbed the oxygen bottle myself and checked that the oxygen was on max basically rather than being halfway yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I thought thank god there's an oxygen bottle a full oxygen 100% pure oxygen at least getting into her lungs you know, is a good thing yeah. because I, because uh, I knowing what was happening with anaphylaxis now, I was gone. Yeah. It was all closing up, and I thought my f- thought at the time was pure oxygen. That's what's best at this situation. But then she was, lo- was losing consciousness in a, in a matter of I'd say one and a half minutes. She was literally going. She was going basically. Couldn't talk. Her face was swelling up, and I see that just that this face of my child. You know, that you've grown up. We're dying. Yeah, fucked of you. I shouted, I said, get a medic, call for a medic. So I found myself driving the situation, you know, not them, yeah, as it were. It you, yeah. And uh, they put out a call on the on the PA for uh, a medic. And I have to say, thank God there was one by chance. Because I, if I think of what would have happened had there not been one, I don't know where it would have gone. But anyway, that... The, this guy just suddenly appeared, a young guy, about 20, looked like in his 20s. He said he'd just qualified as a junior doctor the day before, literally less than 24 Which hours. It's mad. Eh? And uh, <clears throat> he looked quite shocked by the situation. It was probably like, his, in many ways, his worst nightmare to find himself being called upon, you know, in, yeah. in such a way, and then see a child, basically. And, um, so young, yeah. And then we lay Natasha down on her back. In, in the galley, what they call the galley, the, f- the bit where you oh, get okay. on the plane. And um, he took various readings, pulse and so on. And, and she was basically, she was unconscious now. She was completely unconscious. Um, 
but unconscious I know why now we know why not because she'd had a bang on the head like if you're a student you think you're drunk yeah. for example you know your, ref- your reference to being unconscious this is because she was being starved of oxygen and she was choking to death and she was blacking out due to lack of oxygen and then minutes are so important as well because the longer someone's starved of oxygen like the brain damage are and I think people just don't understand that it's mm. like when you're choking or you're getting starved of oxygen each minute goes by the situation just gets worse yeah. and worse it, absolutely so yeah the doctor started cpr um and then he he was i could you could see he was i said you know what do you, what do you want to do and I, I was prepared at this point to uh you know thinking in my mind i'm prepared to and i told the doctor if you want i will cut her throat uh, here to do a trachea you know, with a pen, I'll take do anything to puncture here if that allows air to get yeah. through. Uh, because I'd had that experience once with my uncle, my mum's brother, a long time ago, um, and I know that the fleshy bit here is of no real consequence to, in terms of um, you know if you can puncture it for life-saving reasons. That was my feeling. I said that to him. He was worried. He said, "No, in case there's a blood flow that we can't stop because we're stuck on the plane, and that, that makes the whole situation worse." Uh, because we're not in A and E, for example, and um, I um, and he, and so he, the situation got worse and worse really quick, like very bad. She fell but into no one offered you a different. No one offered a different freighter. Um, so the the the, um, the air crew, the, the stewardess and the uh, air stewards, there's three of them yeah. all on the plane. They uh, they were like looking over, saying, "Can we help?" or whatever. But they were still serving the drinks to the passengers. That's- Create, with, yeah. You know, which is, I mean, I don't know about you, but that is madness. Yeah. And um, they were stepping over her to reach Stepping the over her. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, it's just crazy that all this is unfolding in front of your eyes and the staff yeah. have just yeah. turned a blind eye in that yeah. sense. And the doctor was given the medical kit, which he, there were no EpiPens or equivalent in it. There was a, a adrenaline, but with a needle. And he basically, he was unsure himself the doctor of how much to draw out it wasn't measured it wasn't really? measured dose and apparently it's it's really difficult for a doctor without proper equipment and to be in a setting of a hospital and it's usually either an anesthetist or a senior doctor that will know how much adrenaline they can give someone according to their weight body, and, yeah. and you know how old they are and you know just just what's happening yes and he didn't have the confidence to give no, her any he didn't uh, that's right because he just because too know, much can yeah. kill as well. Normally, so. it's doctors in A and E who tend to be uh-huh. see what happens and how to so administer we adrenaline. risk in, in regards to how much adrenaline because that could even possibly yeah. So he was thinking there. maybe I could kill her yeah. by giving her too much, I suppose. But in fact, had there been, you could say what's highlighted actually afterwards, what's needed is pre-measured doses so that people yeah. can do it with confidence, you know, rather yeah. than thinking I better not. And then, you know, and then yeah, risking hard, yeah. the situation. Mm. But I told the doctor I'd given her two, you know, I showed him the EpiPens and the, the et cetera. And he, great. He said, okay. And then doing CPR, then then she fell into cardiac arrest. He could tell she was going to cardiac arrest because her heart was so struggling. It wasn't getting any oxygen through it because everything had swollen up yeah. internally. You couldn't see that it was swollen up. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's all internal. And the air wasn't getting through. Her heart was failing because it was struggling to to pump, yeah, pump the and therefore she was going to cardiac arrest, which is why the CPR continued and continued for somewhere around 45 minutes in all. 
Um, never offered a defibrillator uh, once. In fact, we didn't even know there was one on board. We knew, we found out after, yeah. actually. Uh, and oddly enough, um, well, at her inquest, British Airways said, um, oh, uh, we didn't offer it uh, because the plane was coming to landing soon. And under the protocol of flights and what the, the air steward has to do, air steward should stay by the door and... And in case of an emergency. In case of an emergency. Yeah. So, well, a child dying on the floor of the plane, is that not an emergency? Yeah, to and, you, yeah. And, and he said, well... But the plane I, wasn't even landing at that point. No. It might have been preparing to land, but it was still in the air. Yeah. Would, would, you know, would it started coming down. When it come... When when they understood it, it really said, would they ever done, like, an emergency landing? Is, is that something that was ever... Yeah, well, the, the pilot, yeah. so what happens, we found this out after so the inquest, the pilot um, was told about what was going on. I mean, it was it was actually happening about four feet from where he was, yeah. behind the pilot's cabin door. And, um, uh, but they, the pilot radioed using his long wave radio frequency yeah. to, so not the satellite phone, because for whatever reason wasn't working, apparently. Uh, long wave radio to con- connect to some a company in Dallas, America, called something like Medi Medicare, and they are one of the two companies in the whole world that supply medical advice to pilots in case of an emergency on board, yeah. what to do, uh, etc. He could he tried twice, couldn't get through. Basically, don't ask me why. Yeah. No one has a clue why. Um, and then the decision was made to look at where they were at, basically in uh, flying versus their final destination. And I think it was about 400 nautical miles uh, away from the final destination. And they dis- pilot decided, given their situation, they would continue to fly on to the final destination and not try to do an emergency landing. Um, anyway, so, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a horrific, horrific situation. Um, and, and the plane did land. Uh, with the doctor still doing CPR yeah. and, and so on, and and Natasha had been unconscious now for quite some time, really swollen up face, lips all blue, uh, and as soon as the plane landed, the door opened, uh, if you like, and the a crew of paramedics just piled in um, and got to work assessing the situation. Straight away, yeah, but. They had a defibrillator, didn't they? They had a defibrillator, yeah, yeah that, which and is one of those work. portable ones, mm. like most yeah. mostly are, and it didn't actually work, so they had to go yeah. run off and find another one. So but, the first one didn't work. And yeah, yeah, but there was one in the plane all along. It's like, again, not offered. Why, why didn't that get offered? But, but what's in interesting is they came back with a defibrillator, and you know there is a sense that some people have said, well, we don't know if the defibrillator would have helped her anyway. Mm. But the second defibrillator that they brought on actually brought her heart back. Mm. It came back. Oh, really? It came back oh. quite strong. Mm. And you did a massive high five, didn't yeah. you, with after, the paramedics? After much CPR and much everything else, they showed a signal coming back. And they were like, oh, thank God. Because you could see these men. They were big, burly, like, paramedics because yeah. in France they're like firemen they're really oh, like, really, okay. really heavyweight not like yeah. here in England they kind of do double yeah job, they kind of do fire mm. and they do uh, paramedics yeah. and they'd been doing so much chest compressions <coughs> um, on Natasha that uh, it transpired all the ribs had broken um, wow. and um, so they the heart, came, the heart came back we saw it on the monitor and we all did a massive high five to each other yeah, you know like fought, because it was yeah. like God, thank God. 
But then it went, her heart went. It continued CPR, CPR, CPR manically, like like literally, like speed, speed. Yeah, yeah. When I was watching that, I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is, you know, and I, I was holding the IV lines in one hand, you know, and, and stuff. And I was talking, the thing is, is I, I talked to Natasha all the way through loudly above so she all knew, the noise. Yeah, yeah. She, what was going on there. So she could hear my voice. You're going to make it through. I kept saying, it's going to be fine. I say, remember those races? How at school you'd win the races, you yeah, know? Yeah. Even with all your asthma and all the issues, you would win and you would get through, you know? You're going to make it through. It's going to be fine. I'm here. But she didn't make it through. In the end. But her heart did. came back a second time. It did yeah. come back, but very, very slightly and much more reduced, which was a signal that her heart was really damaged, and, really damaged. And, and just fighting for the last bit. If you like, but she was, uh, her face was twice the size, her eye sockets, her open, full of red food, full like 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 the devil's eyes, yeah. if you like, and that was where she vomited through all that chest compressions. It all brought all her sandwich back up through her yeah. pipe, and it gone back over her face and filled all her eye sockets and everything with the red uh, pepper and olive yeah. uh, contents of the sandwich. It was horrific. Uh, horrific, and they were trying to put a an air tube down her her throat, throat yeah. but they couldn't because of the swelling. Basically, yeah. it wouldn't go down, and and so you see, it it's a nightmare when anaphylaxis bites. It's like the only place that you possibly might survive is if you're actually in hospital or get yeah. there so quick, or so quick. Yeah. Tanya, I know that you you was getting a flight. I know that Nadim rang you straight away, and you said get the like the next flight and you got to the airport and then there was delays weren't there um, I got to Stansted it was the first Sunday of the holidays there were no flights at all I managed to get one um, I got to Stansted and it was leaving at 6 o'clock and then I got through I got into the gate on time and then they said there's a delay and there was a 6 hour delay so caught me at the airport and the place was full of sorry the place was full of you know families going off on holiday and you know it was just such a bustly even though there was a delay people were happy having fun and at that point was when Nad called me to say I had to say goodbye to her and I can just remember I didn't want to frighten anybody around me because all I wanted to do was scream and I didn't want to upset people. It's just ridiculous how you think about things. Um, and what do you say? What are your last words? You know, what, what can you say? And you were saying, hurry up, hurry up. Because I've got to, I've got to call, you know, my mum and dad as well and Alex and your mum. And so I just said, Tashi, I really, really love you. Tashi, and I'll be with you soon. Just, you know, I'm here for you. I just felt so horrible that I wasn't there. I just wanted to be there. Um, and, and that was it. We hung up. Oh, and I, I had cut. to make the phone calls one after the other and put the phone by her ear. And then when I thought that's, you know, I could see the heart monitor going down, down, and down. Literally, it was that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and after the last call, uh, it flat it flatlined she flatlined that was it she was gone I just like fell on my knees 
didn't wasn't holding the phone anymore and, and I just sobbed and 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 same with them um, Bethany Bethany as well who's only 14 to see her best friend die in front of her and um and I didn't know what to do I, and I got a pair of scissors and I cut off some of her hair like like what do I do you know and we were alone just me Bethany now with Natasha who's dead the doctors had, had long gone and um, they knew she was going to die and they were just basically, I didn't know that fully and they were just leaving us with her to die basically because she, that was the was only She was clinically dead, I mean mm. she was, she'd been clinically dead for quite a while but because they pumped her with different mm. drugs to stimulate her heart mm. it was really the last of that drug yeah. exiting her mm. body really that's, was, yeah, no, no, but that, she was dead right. before that we didn't find that out till later really yeah but, but, but it's so that's so, the official death yeah i'm so sorry like i think i can't imagine like going through that and obviously having to witness that and being like your own daughter because i think as a parent i mean the only thing you want to do is like look after your child and then mm. and then yeah. for that to happen and then not have any control and obviously not being labelled is, yeah. And I mean, and I knew that she was dying, she was having an anaphylactic reaction because of something she'd eaten in the black. Then I knew it was because there was nothing else, you know. We'd just been, we got up that morning, she'd eaten one thing, then we got on the plane. There was nothing else that could have happened in between, you know, like, like, like had it been the afternoon, maybe it was this or maybe it was that. It was absolutely something in that sandwich. Mm-hmm. And that's when I rang, rang my mum from from my mobile phone, I rang her back here, back in, in London, and said, um, you've got to go immediately and get buy one of those sandwiches, you know, because there's the same sandwiches in all yeah. the branches. To make sure that, what was it, what yeah. caused the reaction. And, and go and ask them uh, at, the, at the counter, what's in it? Asked them more for more information, and she did do that. She 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 went and then she she rang me back about half hour later, crying, of course, and and she said uh, that in the in the shop in the prep the manger, someone behind the counter had brought out a folder from the back office with some loose sheets of paper in it, and um, it was like a matrix, what you'd call it now, an allergy matrix, yeah. which said all the sandwiches down here on one, that, and then different columns just like, and a, like an excel sheet an excel like, spreadsheet yeah. and you have to look very carefully at it and read across with your finger and it did say for that sandwich it said contains sesame seed yeah. and my mum said but where is it said can't, to, see, it, can't yeah. see it and, and she was told it's actually baked in the dough of the bread so it's not visible on the top like you might think a hamburger bun often has yeah. sesame seeds but you can see them they're on the top but this was in the dough I mean, it was like, so you it would was have like never poison, not, yeah, you, poison, yeah. yeah, nightmare. It's your worst, worst nightmare, you know, to have hidden allergens and then not to, so they're not even visible, and then not to say what's in it properly, fully, yeah. to give the half information and then to be on an aeroplane where it's like your worst possible place on earth to be uh, when something goes wrong. I mean, it was a disaster, every single bit yeah. of it, really, yeah. And then, since since then, I know you, Natasha Law has been put in place so this doesn't happen again to other people in the same situation. Obviously, 
so it is labelled clearly and I think what kind of what you've achieved is from something so sad and then to, to help other allergy sufferers I think it's like incredible so I mean how did the Natasha's Law come about is it through the inquest when you you kind of discovered all the the, the mishaps and like, the information well, um, the inquest um, lasted five days in all and every single day there was like another revelation and another revelation where something had kind of gone catastrophically wrong that led to her death um, and, and I think it was just so obvious to everyone that this wouldn't have happened if that one word had been on the label which was the word sesame and you know, there are so many people who are allergic now. We didn't realise that the numbers had gone up as much as they had since mm. Tashi was born. Um, but there are many more people who suffer with allergies. And it's, you know, you have to, if you're allergic, you are really, at the end of the day, responsible for your own life. Yeah. Um, but you have to navigate your life in a society that's full of huge pitfalls when it comes to food. So really, just having information, real accurate information given to you, from the food industry, because we have to buy our food. If you live on a farm somewhere in, you know, in the middle of wherever and you grow your own, that's great, but that's not for the majority of yeah. people. And it's just empowering and, and keeping people safe with information. And the government were quick to see how important this is. And uh, we had a number of meetings um, with DEFRA, the Department for um, you know, Rural Environment, and with Michael Gove. Um, and together with meetings, um, together with his team pushing through, mm. together with the Food Standards yeah. Agency, you know, finding out from the public mm. what they wanted, yeah. talking to businesses. It was decided that even allergy labelling, just the 14 allergens wasn't enough. Yeah. It had to be full picture, ingredient yeah. labelling. Yeah. Mm. Really important that, because uh, the, food, the food industry really didn't want to know, actually. It was like, to them, they were saying, oh... If we have to do any labelling or any extra things, it's going to cost jobs. Yeah. It's a really bad time because of Brexit coming up. Uh, in fact, any excuse you could imagine, basically. They would have uh, yeah, used it. Yeah, and they were saying, you know, they were basically sowing the seeds of fear, yeah. basically. And, and you know, often f fear is usually born out in humans, I think. We think fear is usually born out of people just uh, not knowing. You know, so they kind of, they're fearful of the future that they the do unknown, not know yeah. of. Um, and actually... If you put that aside for a minute uh, and you say, well, hang on, what is the most important thing in, in the world? It's saving people's lives st or stopping people from dying when yeah. they don't need, shouldn't be dying. And when people start to kind of understand that, which sometimes takes a lot of doing, as we found in certain instances, mm. um, especially not so much individuals, but companies, it's basic companies. Um, then they, when they understand it, they go, oh, yeah, it makes kind of sense, actually, to be yeah. fair. And... Um, with Pret-a-Manger's case, they, um, we, you know, we, we're pleased that, if you like, now when we look back at it, that they got to grips with the situation. Uh, I mean, granted, they were the ones in the frame, if you know what I mean, yeah. in the public light. Uh, not, uh, say, Greg's or uh, Café Nero or Costa or Starbucks. However, um, Pret-a-Manger did get on and start to kind of look at their business and and try and uh, remove allergens where possible. So you feel like they've learned from the, the mistakes, the mishaps. What, yeah, what, how, how would, yeah. What would you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We feel we feel they've done everything they can 
they made a promise. They said that we will roll out full ingredient labeling in a year, within a year. Yeah. Or in a year. Yes. And they did. So it was the week a year ago exactly to the date of Natasha's inquest. And they have rolled full ingredient labeling out to all their um, all their 390 outlets. Outlets, yeah. Mm. So, yes, that's yeah. right, yeah. I mean, it's, it's Massive a Massive operation. Yeah. It's actually a much bigger, as we've come to understand, a much bigger thing to achieve than might it might sound like, actually, uh, because to for a company of that scale to, to efficiently achieve that, it, it, so many things have to change. They, they've actually had to employ some new people. Okay. Uh, they've had to retrain 5,000 staff. They have put new information, sort of like uh, smart screens in the stores where you can say, I'm allergic to X, Y, Z, put that in, and then it will show you visually all the things you can eat, basically. Yeah. And it will basically remove anything that you've got allergies okay, to. Yeah. They've got 100 of those out at the moment, and they'll roll up those out in a year, won't they? Well, to the by, the, by the end of, by this, the end year, of this year, they'll have fitted every one of their 400 stores in the UK with those screens. So, so they um, did a lot of the hard work in working out how to do yeah, this right. Yeah. And what's really amazing about it is that they're willing to share it with whoever wants to know in the business. It doesn't have to be so complicated for smaller companies yeah. with less outlets that maybe don't have as many different yeah. foods that they prepackage. Mm. It can be a lot simpler and a lot cheaper and you don't have to employ extra people. And they're willing to to share that um, and and have people come in and almost have seminars and and really mm. you know give give that experience that they've learned mm. out to other other companies. So now on yeah. site now they can do all the fourteen different allergens on the prepackaged food. So it's very clear then to and the customer. Everything yeah. is yeah. labelled. Yes. So even a lot of people have been complaining about the fact that in supermarkets quite often on labels there might be the word spices. And some people are only allergic to certain spices. They might be allergic to oregano. Or, yeah. And it's bizarre, but a lot of people have spice allergies. Um, and so that word spices is quite dangerous yeah. to them. Whereas what's great, the way they've labelled yeah. in Pret, they've said exactly what it is. Even if it's got black pepper yeah. as opposed to white pepper, it mm. will say. Say it clearly yeah, on it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yes. And then since obviously the Natasha are going to practice, well, by October 2020, what? October 2021. It becomes, yeah. Natasha's law comes into force by law that everyone has to adhere to or go to jail, yeah. basically. Yeah. And then since then, you've set up Natasha's Allergy Foundation to carry on obviously the, the amazing work and try and find a cure for allergies. Yeah. So what... So it's quite a big, like, obviously a project and it's not something which kind of happens overnight. What's your mission with the with the Algae Foundation? Well, well yeah. It, it, yeah. in many ways, it's a simple answer. And I'll, I think, start with that, really. It, the whole objective of um, Natasha's charity, we call it Natasha's Foundation, really, uh, is to save other people's lives. To save other people's lives. Uh, no young person, whether a toddler or a teenager, or even sometimes an older person should be dying of food allergies in a society like ours, in Britain today, because of poor information or poor laws to protect them, uh, or lack of understanding of actually what allergies are. So we decided and we made a positive sort of step. Either, you know, there's a choice I think we all have in, li in life, as no matter what our age is, is to do something or not to do something. 
as a result of something you've happened to you that's traumatic. And we've decided to do something, and that is Natasha's foundation and the charity. We're basically working on law, tackling, looking at the laws in this country to better protect people with food allergies. So, and Natasha's law is a very good example of that. Yeah. Uh, secondly, we're looking at education and advocacy. Uh, education is not so much educating people with allergies because they know what they're allergic to, but it's educating all the people that are clueless about allergies. Allergy, yeah. So they then grasp it a bit more and they're a bit kinder and more compassionate to the people with allergies Allergies, through their behavior and their behavior drives change in society you know it's like cooking a little bit warming up the pan warming a bit more a bit more and you cook it up cook it up basically until something good happens there's a tipping point yeah happens always in society Uh, and we want to reach that tipping point when it's what we call self-propelling so that people are talking about it so much it comes in it becomes the norm And that's how you better protect people, basically. So that's the education piece. And a very large part is scientific research. Question, we've been saying, no, in the time that Natasha was born, we didn't know any people, other people or families with food allergies. And today, or even when she died, um, the the whole thing has exploded. And there's now, I think we've, we've heard there's pretty much one allergic child in every classroom in every school in the UK, so on massive, average, yeah, it's massive, like, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if you th- and the statistics, statistics show that that curve is going up and up every year. And if you imagine that all those children, um, once they come out of their parents' care and basically become teenagers and go out into the open world making their own choices themselves, they're hugely at risk. Basically, um, so scientific research. We're going to fund scientists to look at why people are becoming allergic. Yeah. And if they understand that, then something can be done about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today to like share your story. Um, I, th- I think the work you, you've done is absolutely in- incredible. Yeah. And I think you're going to help like so many different allergy sufferers yeah. out there. And it is yeah. going to save lives. Yeah. And, and hopefully the, the tragedy, what happened to Natasha wouldn't happen again to another family so absolutely we certainly hope so i mean it's if you hear it's it's heartbreaking if it happens again heartbreaking Mm -hmm. isn't it yeah Yeah. and if people want to find you online you've if the website so yeah (laughs) so just uh just put put it put natasha's allergy into google or uh, put natasha foundation or the whole thing is natasha allergy research foundation Put that into Google and it will come straight up straight away. Yeah, yeah. check out our social media and yeah. um, please do follow as well. Yeah. So that's Natasha's foundation on Instagram. So yeah, make sure to give them a follow. Yeah. Yes. All right, thanks again, guys. Right, thank, thank you. you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.